Welcome to Season 5 of the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we talk with enterprise and technology platform leaders about the people, processes, and platforms that make marketing and customer experience successful, scalable, and sustainable. This is what creates an Agile brand. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom, advisor and consultant for Fortune 1000 marketing and CX leaders and teams as principal and chief strategist at GK5A and best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and Agile certified coach. The Agile Brand Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to teksystems.com. To sign up for the Agile Brand newsletter and get the latest insights and articles on marketing technology and CX, or to purchase a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, go to gregkillstrom.com. You can also find all my books on Amazon and other retailers. And now on to the show. In the ever-evolving landscape of work where AI permeates our daily routines, it is imperative for teams at every company, including marketers, to embrace technology like AI in order to thrive and maintain a competitive edge. By understanding and harnessing the potential of AI, marketers can propel their companies towards success keeping them relevant and at the forefront of their respective industries. Today, we're going to talk about why marketers need to be comfortable and fluent in technology like generative AI to support their org's marketing strategy, development, and execution, and how reskilling and upskilling play a role in this. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Michelle Bukoff-Bydeck, CMO at Skillsoft. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Greg. This is certainly an exciting topic. I look forward to talking about marketing and AI, both topics I love, and especially where they meet. So I look forward to today. Absolutely. Yeah, looking forward. This is definitely, uh, I think it's top of mind for, for so many people in so many different ways. And I think, you know, we've talked a lot on this show about, I would say more the the marketing strategy and execution mm-hmm. part of it. But I think the education piece is really connecting the dots between, you know, how do you actually get <laughs> to the point of of either strategy and or execution? So looking forward to, to talking about this with you. So why don't, why don't we start, though, with you giving a little background on yourself and, and what you're doing at, at Skillsoft? Sure, absolutely. So just first and foremost, I lead a global marketing and communications organization, and we are focused on preparing the workforce of today with the skills for tomorrow. So right on topic for today. Yeah. And at Skill at Skillsoft and even in prior roles, I've, you know, I've had the privilege of leading marketing transformations, building high performance marketing teams, and that's been just a wonderful opportunity. But I would say that perhaps my most important role is serving as that steadfast voice or champion of the customer, representing them across all facets of the business. In fact, I actually chair our executive advisory board, which comprises some of our most strategic customers. And I've had the privilege of leading my company's corporate social responsibility program, which is built under this premise of keeping your purpose close to your product, which for us is all about skilling. And so to that end, I serve a dual role as chief sustainability officer overseeing our organization's commitment to ESNG or environmental social responsibility and, and corporate governance. But just so you know, I've, I've been in high tech my entire career. And prior to Skillsoft, I served as the CMO of IBM Watson, right? So AI, uh, where yeah, I saw yeah. my, where, you know, I was responsible for marketing of the company's artificial intelligence products and solutions. And I think a lot of people think about Watson and they think about 
that thing that won Jeopardy, but when in fact, this is really a set of powerful tools uh, that companies have been using for a very long time. And so I've built much of my career at this intersection of marketing and high tech, working in industries that focus on using technology like AI to improve people's lives and work. And so, the, you know, it it hasn't been too big a leap for me to embrace all the ways that I think marketing has evolved as a result. Um, you know, every company today is a technology company and every department is a technology one. It is at the core of every industry, every function, and, and we in marketing are no exception. And I think that, you know, it's great to be in an industry like skilling, like skills transformation, like workforce transformation, because what we do is in demand. We are in the midst of a massive skills gap that is driven you know, by the rate and pace of technological change. And we help companies address those gaps by understanding first where they exist, and then by delivering the kinds of experiences, learning experiences they need that, that are both personalized and prescriptive to ensure that People master the skills they need to do the job they have today, uh, but perhaps more importantly, the ones they'll do in the future. And I think that's critical, Greg, especially in today's environment where, you know, think about the workplace. It's vastly different than it was even a few years ago. We've got office, fully remote, hybrid environments. We've got people at various stages of their careers. We've got multiple generations in the workplace. And so we want to make sure that everybody has the opportunity to learn and grow in a way that that suits them. Now, personally, I live north of Boston with my husband. I have two daughters. I have an Akita, uh, Mushi, he probably will walk in at some point. And I'm in training right now to run the New York City Marathon on behalf of the Miles for Miracles team at Boston Children's Hospital. So a lot going on. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. A few, <laughs> few things, a few things Just happening few. there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, so yeah. So, you know, to, to get to the topic today and, uh, you know, you're certainly sounds like you have some amazing experience to be able to talk about this, both in your current role, as well as the, mm. on the IBM Watson team, you know, as I mentioned at the top of the show, you know, it's, it's hard to escape talking about artificial intelligence these days. <laughs> I mean, I've had guests on my show that, you know, it's, it's amazing how things, you know, we're in year five here, but this year topics that I was like, I cannot possibly see how AI could be woven into this. It ended up being woven into it after all. And so, you know, it's, it's just kind of, it's becoming ubiquitous, not only from a conversation standpoint, but just from a, from a usefulness standpoint as well. And I want to kind of start with that, which is, you know, we're all, we're all talking about, the the use cases and and all of these things but you know what what makes ai different you know there's plenty of hype and and certainly some of it is pure hype a lot of it is not though and and unlike some other recent trends and fads and, and things like that and so you know what what makes talk of and usage of ai different than you know to just to pick on one of the one of the trends of the last couple of years you know those companies that rush to hire a chief metaverse officer let's say you know what makes ai different than than some of these other things yeah well i think you know it, it goes back to what you said i think that we are seeing the promise of generative ai materialize perhaps in a more material way right yeah. practical applications and use cases that go far beyond the hype and i think with the metaverse, just to go to that for a moment, I, I do believe that there's been a misalignment of expectations and reality. And that's probably a yeah, very yeah. separate discussion. Yeah. But you know, if, if you think about it, this is 
a massive phase shift for us because this affects knowledge workers. So uh, a study by the University of Pennsylvania and OpenAI predicts that at least 80% of all jobs will be influenced, changed, or augmented by generative AI. So just, you know, if we think about that for a minute, all knowledge workers, including marketers, are going to use this technology in some way if they aren't already. It's ingrained in a lot of our day-to-day in a way that the metaverse, I think, is still trying to figure out, right? So we've already been thinking about and using AI. If we unlock our mobile phones, it involves facial recognition. It's using AI. If we are talking to a chat bot on a website, we are using AI in some way. We've been using it for a while. So I think that, that the reason that we're talking about generative AI now is because it really did democratize artificial intelligence. It gives everybody access. I was talking to, I I was talking to my uncle who I would have never thought would use generative AI. And he's like, you know what? I asked chat GPT a question about tax and I didn't have to go to my tax advisor for that. And I thought, oh my gosh, right? (laughs) So you know that it's, it's more mainstream and it is, it, it has the potential to affect so much more. And, you know, even here at Skillsoft, we're seeing tremendous progress that we're able to make as a business with generative AI. We just announced a product called Skillsoft Casey, which is a conversation AI simulator. And it simulates business and leadership conversations to help people build critical interpersonal skills. Right. So think about it. We've had coding environments for years where you can go practice, test code, figure out how to get better. You get recommendations. We've never had that in the interpersonal skills, like conversation space. And so now I can go have a conversation with AI that's not going to judge me, but in fact, it's going to help me, help me think about how I want to have those difficult or crucial conversations. Maybe it's performance management related. Maybe it is, I have an irate customer as a customer service agent that I need to, to work through. And it provides me with a safe space so that I can practice those important business conversations. But again, I think, you know, The really interesting thing is despite all of these practical use cases, despite all of us thinking about talking about generative AI, it is still so nascent. And I don't think that we can even imagine at this point a fraction of its potential. We're already seeing the impact and yet it is still so new. I mean, we've been using it to translate web content to great effect. Our content writers are using it as writing partners and yet this is still brand new. And I think it is critically important that we continue to work with these new tools so that we're staying current and determine where and how generative AI can improve our overall operations. But most importantly, we need to understand the importance and the ramifications of using it responsibly and ethically so that we're not doing something that could be detrimental to ourselves or our businesses. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned you know, how all of us, I would say most of us, you know, any, anyone that types a query in a search engine, for instance, is technically using an algorithm, which, you know, is AI, you know, so in other words, we've all been preparing for greater use of AI in some way or another, some of us more than others and and stuff. But, you know, I would even say someone who is, uh, I don't know if there's a particular term for this, but good at searching on, on Google, may have a natural proclivity towards being a good prompt engineer, which is, Mm. you know, again, now a thing that, you know, a job that didn't exist 
you know, two years ago. But, you know, when it comes to getting truly better at it and, and let's say, you know, mastering skill sets and, and things, what do you think as far as specific training for, you know, is this, uh, is this an add-on to existing skills? Is this something that you become specifically trained for, you know, when we're talking about generative AI, you know, how do you, how do you look at this in terms of capabilities and skills? Yeah, it's a really great question. And, you know, I don't know if you've done a a Google search on generative AI jobs. It's actually so fascinating because there are a plethora of these jobs that are being created that feature Gen AI in the title and whether they'll exist, you know, in the near future. I, I don't know. We certainly wouldn't have seen this a year ago. I mean, I saw something designer generative AI experiences, AI content creators, prompt crafters. And to your point, I think that these new jobs do necessitate having a new set of skills. And I, I want to, you know, I'm sure at some point we'll talk about, look, I think that the basics, the things that marketers have to know, those things do not go away. And I think that is critically important. We still have to understand our target buyer. We've got to identify our personas. We have to know what business challenges, right? So generative AI isn't going to solve all of that for us right now, but it certainly is a partner. But if you come back to the skills, I think that the thing that I've learned most recently about generative AI is, you know, we know the phrase garbage in, garbage out. It absolutely applies here. These tools are only as good as the information you feed them. As I said before, generative AI has democratized AI and it has turned what was once a complex technology into a really simple and easily accessible tool that anybody can take advantage of. And I think that we've got to train people on how to use this productively and responsibly, as I said before, and I will continue to emphasize ethically and responsibly. But you can't just say, hey, go write a blog post for me or go write this article or this social post. We have to become astute prompt crafters. We have to ensure that we are feeding AI with the right source material to deliver the best possible output. We have to know that there are, you know, that that if we expect the AI to work for us, we've got to feed it with the right material. Mm. And Look, there are plenty of courses, and we offer quite a few on prompt crafting, potential applications, ethics, and governance. And I think this knowledge, wherever you get it, is important because it not only enhances a marketer's value as an employee and to their own personal success, but I think it empowers them to contribute more meaningfully to their company's success because we know that every organization right now is thinking about what their quote unquote, generative AI strategy is. And I'll mention this probably several times before we end, but we as leaders cannot guide our teams or train them without first assessing the skills that we need to build ourselves. Like what skills do we have? What skills do we need? And I I think we've got to be able to do those assessments and understand that first step for marketers who might be looking to enable AI. First and foremost, are you, you know, Do you know how to feed it with the right information? Are you building your prompts in the right way? Are you asking the the, the AI to do things that maybe are better suited to a human? Certainly, we, we know that generative AI is really good at rote work. And I think that there are plenty of applications, you know, turning long form content into shorter form content, repurposing content, lots of things. 
But the content, again, is only as good as the prompts that you provide and still nascent, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, to, to your point about the garbage in, garbage out, it's it's not just the data to what you're saying. It's it's also the way that the prompt is crafted and, right. and the request and, and things like that. Because, yeah, you know, it, as with anything, I mean, it's becoming easier and easier to create content, just generally speaking, since, you know, ev- every decade, there's probably some shift in, in the ability to make content easier to create right. and access and distribute um, this is just yet another way. And there's lots of ways to make bad content or there's, there's always been ways to make bad content, right? This is just accelerating making bad content and if, unless you do it well. Unfortunately, I mean, really, I, it's one of the biggest fears I have is that we're going to get lazy yeah. and we're going to allow bad content to permeate. And that's not, you know, that's not going to help us, right? So we as marketers, we have to be smarter. We have to be better than that. Before we continue, I'd like to introduce you to a sponsor of the show, Partner Hero. Customer service outsourcing has long been available mainly to large enterprise businesses with long-term contracts and onerous procurement processes. Partner Hero is challenging business as usual and bringing the benefits of outsourcing to small and medium businesses as well as startups. With short, flexible contracts and fast ramp-up times, Partner Hero is making customer support outsourcing a viable option for small and medium businesses and startups. It's perfect for companies with seasonality expecting a temporary spike in volume or that simply need to scale up. And their focus on quality means your customers will get an experience that feels like it comes from your team. If you're ready to bring in outside customer support help for your company that feels like it's part of your existing team, check out Partner Hero. Head on over to partnerhero.com slash agile, that's partnerhero.com slash A-G-I-L-E, to book a free consultation with their solutions team. Mention you heard about Partner Hero from the Agile brand and the way of the setup fee. Now let's get back to the show. This kind of gets to, to the next question here, which is kind of about the the philosophy of, you know, what's what's the relationship that an organization has with AI and you know it's it's gonna it's gonna depend. There's a lot of factors, as you said. There's you know there's ethical regulatory implications. Yeah. There are industry specific. You know, a healthcare or financial services company might have a slightly different take on compliance and, and regulation than you know a, a, a startup that is less regulated. We'll just say, but you know, I I look at it as in terms of. You know, there's kind of three categories of relationships, and I'm not mm-hmm. gonna, um, I won't go into a huge detail, a huge amount of detail here. But you know, I, I look at the the first is kind of this friend or foe relationship where some team members are all about it. Let's say the employees are all about it because it, it's easy to create content, good good or bad. You know, to our previous conversation, and maybe management is very cautious and reluctant. So you know, there there's sort of this binary way of looking at it. And then, you know, second might be, I call the frenemy approach where it's like, everybody's very cautiously, optimistically approaching this, this thing, they know it's kind of inevitable and going to maybe take their jobs or not or or whatever. But it's sort of that approach is almost hindering them from doing their best work or embracing it as much um, as possible. And then, you know, the, the last one, and you can probably see where my bias is, you know, the last one is looking at it as a partner yeah. that's really augmenting things and helping everyone. It doesn't mean that you throw out the the things that you mentioned, like 
ethics and, and bias and, and concerns like that, but you embrace it as a partner. What, what are your thoughts on this? And, you know, are, is, is there something I'm missing there? No, look, I'm, I'm with you. Um, you know, it's interesting because I was listening to our vice president of compliance, who you think would be sort of really pushing on everybody to be incredibly careful, which of course she is, but, but maybe a little bit concerned about broad use. And, you know, what she would say is we have to dive into the deep end without fear, but we can do things to make sure that when we dive in, we're being safe, right? We, we yeah. If we're going to dive into the deep end, we want to know, can we swim? Are there hazards? Is there a lifeguard? In generative AI, if it is that deep end, sure, let's dive in because if we don't, we will get left behind. But let's make sure we have the proper guardrails, the proper protocols and policies in place. You know, we put our floaties on, right? Right, right. Um, <laughs> I think in a lot of cases and in ways, we have this bias against letting something help us. I don't know if it is the fear that it's going to do our job better than we can, in which case I say, yes, please. <laughs> right. um, I want a tool that lets me do something better. And I think we have to think of AI as that valuable ally. And, and you know, I would say this, I heard Kara Swisher speak last week and you know, she, she said to the audience, do you use the internet? Do you use your mobile phone? I mean, there was a time when these were considered new and novel technologies, but would we work without them today? Absolutely not. So the same will go for generative AI. So we have got to jump in and yes, this technology is new. Yes. It requires a lot of human oversight, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be working with it, that it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be testing and starting to think about what our own AI strategy, what our own roadmap is, because it's here and it's not going away. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I, I, I'm certainly a content creator myself. I mean, obviously you're, we're, we're here on my, on my podcast. I write a lot and, <laughs> you know, I, I was having a conversation with someone the other day who I highly respect and, and, you know, I, I, they, they create great content of their own and author mm. and, and stuff. And, you know, they're very, very reluctant to, to kind of, to your point, to, to kind of get the, the help from AI where, where it could be extremely helpful. But, you know, in the, in one of those moments of like, I wish I would have brought this up because I don't get to talk with them that often. And, you know, so time is valuable, but, do you use autocomplete on in Google Docs or do you use spell check or you know all yeah. all of the similar to you know to what you're asking like do you use a phone or or stuff like that it's like at what point do you cut technology off and say no more you know i i grew up in in pennsylvania amish country so you know some of this this idea of of the luddites mm. of you know, we're going to, we're going to stop innovating as of whatever year that was that they decided it rubs me the wrong way because I think we need to embrace what's truly human and, and what, what makes a, um, our voices valuable. You know, in my case, I do have some specific expertise and I can lend my, lend my thoughts on, on certain things, not all of course, but spelling and grammar, I, I, I do my best. I like to think I do all right. Um, <laughs> but you know, is that really what I, what makes me, me, no, you know, I, I spell things wrong sometimes. And, 
And so that's what Google can do for, you know, so in other words, it's like, it's this, to some, it feel I th- it probably feels like a slippery slope. To me, it feels like, oh, wow, I can now focus even more on what I'm trying to be good at. Absolutely. So first of all, I'm a prolific writer. I love to write it as my creative outlet. But what I have found is, is, you know, I can have the ideas and the thoughts and I like to write. And so when I have an opportunity, I will, but guess what? I have this amazing prompt that I created that is an exceptional editor. So it knows everything about grammar. It knows my predilection for and love of the Oxford comma, and it will actually go in with my tone, my voice, my brand and do a light edit because I don't want it to do to really change the tone. Um, but I want it to, to clean up where I might've made a mistake, which we all do. Humans are fallible. Right. And what it does is it produces an exceptional edit. And I think that that's fantastic. So it lets me do the things that I love to do. And I I think again, this technology will augment and complement humans. It will allow us to do things in a much better and more impactful way. And I do, you know, look, if you love writing, go do it. You should, because that may be your creative outlet. But I think that if, you know, there are ways in which to bring generative AI in as a partner, why not? Right. Right. And by the way, if you want my editing prompt, it's fabulous. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, totally. Yeah. And I'm a fan of the Oxford comma as well for what it's worth. So that's, um, you know, I know know that's a very, uh, polarizing topic. That's a contentious, yeah, I was going to (laughs) say. Right. Right. But yeah, I mean, you know, and I guess one more point and then I'll move to the next topic because I know we have other things to talk about, but it's like, you know, the, the next kind of rhetorical question would just be, you know, have you ever worked with an editor, you know, and, and in which case, you know, what's the difference between a human editor and, uh, you know, if you're changing, if you're changing your original words, this is probably the topic of a whole other like series of podcasts, not, not just this, this show, but, you know, so I, I, again, I, all, all that to say is like, you know, I, I think embracing it as a partner and uh, it sounds like you agree. And, and as long as it, as long as the the author gets to keep their, their thoughts, I, I, yeah. it, it seems additive and, and, and good. You know, I, it, it's interesting because I, I listen like you to a lot of podcasts and what worries me, I have a daughter in college and what worries me is that you know, most schools seem to have a no chat GPT policy. And I I worry and, you know, look, I I don't think that we should use generative AI for cheating. Let me be really clear. But I think we have to teach, especially those who are going to be new to career about this technology and its use. And I think you can do things like cite your prompts. And I think you can do things like say, you know what, the original writing needs to be yours, but you can use generative AI as an editor and I want to see what your prompt was. And I I think those are things that we've got to start thinking about because the more that we push this technology aside, I think the worse off we're going to be because it's not going away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. This could be like, oh, I feel like there's like a sermon in here. <laughs> I know, I know. Sorry, I, I, I did get a little on my no, soapbox it's, there. No, so. I, I hear you. I'm with you. <laughs> well, so let's, uh, and this this does tie into to what we've been talking about. And, and 
back in the day, and when I say back in the day, this is like, you know, 12 to 24 <laughs> months ago. Um, you know, if you were getting into AI and data science and, you know, I took a Python class and, you know, I'm by no means an engineer or anything like that, but I was like, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta learn more about this stuff. And, you know, but, but data scientists and others more traditionally in AI, you know, these are, these are engineers, mm. these are, they're, they're writing scripts and, you know, so seeing what you're seeing and, and, you know, having just had the conversation we had about marketers and content creators, what do you need to know today to make the most of, of AI? Like what, what are the skills and what should you be learning? Well, you know, first of all, I think that there are some fundamentals that marketers still need to have. We are not going to throw our playbooks out the window yeah. entirely. Right. And I said this before, you have to understand your target audience, right? Your customer archetypes. You've got to identify and build those personas. You have to know what business challenges you help them solve. You have to have the customer buying journey. All of that still holds true here. But then I think that you can start using that as input into generative AI tools to inform your targeting strategy and help with some of the tactics, help you craft the best possible messages, help you ensure that those messages hit the right audience at the right time and through the right channels. There are so many applications. So, but I do think that, again, we can't get out of the fundamentals, nor should we. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's paramount. And look, marketing has already become, in a lot of ways, a left brain function, right? You know, we, we, we are already using analytics in so many ways to help us with decisioning. This is no different. Now, I do think that there are certain skills that marketers will need to have. And we've talked about prompt crafting. I talked about data analytics, but I also think that there are power skills. I love to call them power skills because I think they're critically important. Some people call them soft skills. There's nothing soft about them. Communication, problem solving, critical thinking, collaboration, leadership, creativity, empathy, emotional intelligence. These are things that we as marketers must do because ultimately at the end of the day, what we do is we are talking to another human being and encouraging that other human being to make a decision. And so those power skills have to come into play. And look, Gen AI has the capacity to create human-like content, right? We can write blog posts, it can write blog posts, social media, scripts, artwork, it can create artwork, video, all of that. And those are impressive capabilities. But you've got to have a human in the loop, a human, a marketer who understands how to craft prompts to get the best out of those interactions. And you talked about it before as a partner, and I think that is exactly the way that we want to look at it. And I think that marketers have to start by teaching AI their brand's voice. You provide samples, you describe what you wanted to explore, you explain who the target audience is, and then you can start to really get AI to do things like maybe maybe it's write a blog post and you provide it with the outline maybe it is start to think about email copy and social copy but i think that that you know it is still important to go back to basics i also encourage marketers to really start to get their teams excited about the possibilities we did 
an innovation challenge on my team. And when I tell you so much fun for teams to think about what are the various ways that we could use, and and not just from a, a content creation perspective, but content optimization, how we can use AI to better enable our field teams and provide personalized sales pitches and sales chatbots and all of these things and persona development. I think the, the sky is the limit. But again, I would go back and say the most important thing marketers need to have is that fundamental foundational set of skills around marketing. Yeah. Who's the target buyer? What is it you're trying to say to that buyer to, you know, get them to take the action, you know, you're looking for? Yeah, and that I mean, that translates to no matter what even when when metaverse marketing um, becomes a, a thing, um, you know, that that still translates, right? Anything yeah. can come down. Sorry, I'm picking on a, but, um, <laughs> you know, I feel bad now, but no, um, I don't feel metaverse bad. is crying right now. But, um, but <laughs> so um, la- last thing I want to get to, I know we, we spent quite a bit of, of time on that one topic, but, you know, last thing I want to get to here is, um, you know, you, we've been talking quite a bit from the, let's say from the marketer's um, sure. perspective, but from the leader's perspective, you know, they, they've got teams, they want to grow teams, they want to make sure they have the right people on their teams, you know, how, how should a leader be looking at this as far as, you know, whether it's upskilling, reskilling, whether it's bringing new people on, mm. you know, what, what should they be thinking about in the months ahead? Yeah, look, I'll put this as, you know, pretty simply, I think that generative AI, in particular, you know, AI in a broader context, but but generative AI is really going to fundamentally change what we as people learn, how we learn, and ultimately how we're going to work differently. And I think leaders need to understand that. Their organizations have to ensure that their people are trained on the most relevant and in-demand skills across all aspects of AI. We as leaders have to ensure that so that our businesses and our teams grow and succeed now and in the future. And again, you know, tech skills, just one part of that equation I'll go back to those power skills that we need to be training people on so that that we're making the most out of human intelligence, not just artificial intelligence. So that's the what we learn. But in terms of how we learn, I think that we've got to make sure that we're providing people with the tools. You know, everybody learns differently. And so how do we create more personalized learning at scale? And that could be through AI-powered content curation, individualized learning paths based on where everybody on your team is. So making sure they've got the tools they need. And then creating more interactive environments. As I mentioned, you know, with Casey, we, we we built that because people want an interactive environment in which to practice crucial conversations. And I think that's going to be important. But the the probably the biggest piece, I think, is this will fundamentally change how we work, right? Ultimately, I think we want to see, we all want to see generative AI increase productivity. I think we all want to see it deliver on this promise of greater effectiveness and efficiency. But I think that it's critical that leaders lead in this case, right? There's not going to be a lot of buy-in from people to learn something new or to change the way they work unless they're getting buy-in from leadership. And I think we've got to get away from this, you know, look, fundamentally it is going to change jobs. We know that, right? I mean, it is all we hear. We can't hear generative AI without hearing about jobs. I think what we really want to start thinking of is 
not the jobs that are going to be disrupted necessarily, but the jobs that are going to be created and how we can stay relevant and adapt to the needs of our business. And marketers, if anything, have become far more agile, (laughs) pun intended, um, (laughs) as well as adaptive. And so, you know, this is a tremendous opportunity for leaders to step in and say, I want you to go learn this. I think it is important for your growth and our success because I want, you know, I want to see you have greater opportunities. And, you know, generative AI is already being implemented in core functions of digital marketing and and, and it's only going to grow in the coming months as capabilities evolve. So I think marketing leaders in particular need to be jumping in with both feet. Again, let's put those guardrails, right? We need to use this ethically and responsibly, right? Innovation and compliance go hand in hand. But as leaders, we've really got to help our teams get educated. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Michelle, thanks so much for joining the show. What got one last question before we wrap up here. And, you know, we've talked about quite a bit here. And so, um, but what is one piece of advice that you'd have for those leaders? You know, what's the next step that they can take or that they should take? So, you know, it really does go back to to what we just talked about. I think that marketers need to be comfortable with and fluent in generative AI. I think education is crucial because it, it, it empowers us to embrace AI with confidence. And I think that if we jump in, into the deep with our floaties on, um, and help people along the way, like let's teach them how to swim. Let's give them the tools and the skills so that they can bridge the gaps that we have, right? So they learn these new technologies. Um, We ensure that they stay relevant and we ensure that our people remain our most valuable asset because they are, because AI, it, it can't replace everything, but it can empower us to work smarter. It can empower us to make better decisions and continuously improve on our strategy. So I think understanding and embracing AI and the skills needed to fruitfully deploy it, it will will unlock possibilities for our organizations, I think. And, you know, I, 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 for one, um, have been encouraging my team and, and hopefully others will as well. Wonderful. Yeah, no, totally agree. And I love your, love your perspective and your, your optimism on, on all this stuff too. Well, again, I'd like to thank Michelle Bookoff Bidek, CMO at Skillsoft for joining the show. You can learn more about Michelle and Skillsoft by following the links in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.gregkilstrom.com. That's G-R-E-G-K-I-H-L-S-T-R-O-M.com. To get a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, visit my website, or you can find it on Amazon or other retailers. The Agile brand is produced by Missing Link, a Latina-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, they craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Until next time, stay agile.